you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Back to Jerusalem podcast, where we are talking about spies, drugs, and the Great Commission. This is part two in a series of five episodes, and I am your host, Eugene Bach, and I am, will be walking with you through what I believe to be the biggest disaster in China for Chinese Christians. This is a, 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 an event that most people really don't know that much about if they know anything at all. Even those of you that have been listening to our podcast for several years, uh, several years, for those that have been listening to our podcast for several months, um, and because we've only been going for about a year, we have just passed our one year mark, by the way. Um, and uh, we are now at episode 200. And we decided to do a special series for the celebration of reaching our 200th podcast. Um, who knew that we had so much to say? And who knew that so many people would be listening to what it is that we have to say? I want to thank all of you that have been downloading our podcast and listening to the updates and praying for Back to Jerusalem because really, um, the, the, you, the listener, have surpassed uh, you know, the, the, the biggest ideas that we ever had for this podcast. Uh, honestly, this podcast came out of a think tank that we had, um, about a year ago in the mountains of Tennessee in the United States where we brought together several back to Jerusalem ambassadors from around, uh, the United States as well as our friends from the UK. And during that time, we were talking about ways to keep people better informed about what's going on. And we thought, what better way to keep people informed than to just make recordings as we travel around the world? Well, today, while I make this recording, I am in the amazing city of Wenzhou, China, on the east coast of China. And on the east coast is the exact same place, just a little bit north of where I'm at right now in Tianjin and Beijing is where we saw one of the biggest tragedies for Christian history inside of China. The event was called the Boxer Rebellion in 1900. And according to Wikipedia, if you look it up on Wikipedia, I was just curious to see what Wikipedia said about the Boxer Rebellion. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it was the worst disaster in missionary history. Period. So this wasn't just the worst disaster for missionaries in China or Christian history in China. This was the worst disaster in missionary history. Now, I first learned about the Boxer Rebellion when I was in the United States Marine Corps. Um, this is where we actually learn about the um, Marines that responded to the missionaries that were being slaughtered by the boxers. Um, U the U.S. Marines that were stationed in the uh, Pacific um, ended up responding to the call. Um, they were some of the first responders to arrive in 
Tianjing and then travel into Beijing to help the outpost, the, the diplomatic outpost that were stationed inside of Beijing. And so the Marines went, and so there were two Marines that are iconic in Marine history. If there's any Marines listening, U.S. Marines, if there are any U.S. Marines listening to this podcast, you will know very well the story of Dan Daly and Smedley Butler. Those two um, were both in battle in China against the Boxer Rebellion. And for you to really understand the Boxer Rebellion, you have to go back in time a little bit. Because what took place was the British had a trade company where they were able to bring in uh, goods from China to England and make a killing. And then they were able to get opium from uh, India as well as spices and the things that were valuable in India. And then they took the opium over to China and in China they were able to get many of the goods that they wanted like silk and, 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 uh, porcelain and those kind of items that did very, very well in the UK or in England. They were able to get those by getting the people hooked on drugs. So they were, they, they, they purposefully, um, were able to push opium onto the Chinese and the Chinese ended up having these opium dens and, and were, were um, completely addicted to the drug and the addiction to the drug fed the business of the British. And so the British were able to run trade um, from China and England and India for the East India Trade Company and, and make massive amounts of profit um, by getting the Chinese addicted to drugs. And the Chinese were starting to see the foreigners as invaders, as people that were overtaking their country. Now, keep in mind that before the, the, the foreigners arrived, um, China had gone many generations with nobody, no, no foreigner ever laying eyes on the, the, the emperor. And to keep the foreigners from traveling around China, they restricted the, the, the boats to a port in Canton, which is modern-day Guangzhou. And so, boats were only, foreigners were only allowed to land their boats into Guangzhou. But the foreigners began to build more and more influence, and as they built the influence inside of China, and the Chinese, so if the Chinese resisted, um, the, the foreigners were um, a lot better prepared militarily to impose their will. Um, the only thing they had against opposing their will was the unfortunate Christian value system that did not allow uh, businesses to impose their will for pure profit. So there were there was a need for just cause. So they were always looking for a reason to make an appeal to the people back home to say why they are imposing their will. And so they looked for um, things in which they could fight these these made up um, uh, battles that would be for somehow it would be righteous, um, but actually it was just for profit. Well, there was a group of farmers and poor Chinese that were sick of the foreign occupation in their land, and they felt that Western missionaries and their Christian religion was also a part of the military occupation. So it wasn't just the Christian missionaries, but it was also the Chinese Christian converts that these, that, that the normal Chinese started to build a hatred against. 
and that carried over until the Cultural Revolution of Mao Zedong. And in the northeast of China, there were many converts that converted to Christianity. There was one guy who traveled in the Manchurian area. That area in northeastern China is referred to as Manchuria. Uh, and then you get up into the Korean areas. And one of the most well-known evangelists and missionaries in that area was a guy by the name of Jonathan Goforth. And he writes about the revivals in Korea and the Korean areas of China and the revivals that took place right around the time of the Boxer Rebellion. Well, violence broke out uh, in 1899 where and, and many foreigners, many Christians and missionaries were forced to retreat to Beijing where they could find protection from the Boxers. The, and the Boxers were this group. They were a secret society of Chinese. And this is very important to understand. They believed in demon possession, like biblical type of demon possession. Now, I don't know if you've ever traveled to China or not, or listened to Chinese opera. You know, they're like, ding, ding, ah, yeah, you know, doing all this kind of like singing and dancing and, and uh, the symbols are just banging wildly and, and there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason or a pattern to their, to their beat. Um, there, there, there doesn't seem to be anybody really reading music. And if you look at the faces of the individuals, they're all painted up in these, in these weird ways. Well, the Chinese, the ancient Chinese believed in spirits and not just in spirits, but in, in spirit occupation. So they believed that spirits could occupy the bodies of Chinese that gave themselves over. Well, boxers were, was a name given to a secret society of fighters, Chinese fighters, who claimed to be possessed by spirits. And these spirits made them invincible to bullets. So when they became possessed by the spirits, they were invincible to bullets and swords so people could shoot at them with a gun. The Chinese didn't necessarily have guns. They walked around with pitchforks, literally pitchforks. Some of them had swords and knives and, and, and like spears. Um, but they believed that the spirits could help them be invincible to bullets. And they had these superhuman abilities. Well, I don't necessarily disbelieve in that. I, I believe that they really did become possessed. So the boxers, possessed by spirits, hated foreigners, but above all else, they hated Christians. And Christians became the object of their hate. British warships blockade the harbor. A few thousand troops are landed. Equipped with the latest machines of war, they move inland, seizing cities and towns. In August of 1842, aboard the HMS Cornwallis, the Chinese sign a humiliating treaty. Opium will continue to poison the arteries in China. And the island of Hong Kong is surrendered to become the crown jewel in the British Empire. So this is the history leading up to the Boxer Rebellion. So um, the the Chinese get sick of their people being hooked on opium. So they confiscate ships carrying uh, British ships carrying British 
uh, opium and they, they, they confiscate, um, um, storage houses that have this opium and then they destroy it. And when they do, the, the, the British see this as destroying personal property. And so they demand that the, the Chinese repay it, but it's not just repayment. They take land. So they take the whole entire island of Hong Kong. Um, they force the Chinese to pay, you know, tons of silver to them. And then they enforce all these laws that the Chinese in a humiliating manner have to agree to. More seaports are forced open to the outer barbarians. Now the scavengers converge on China to share the spoils. Germany, France, Russia, and the United States. After the Opium War, what we call treaty ports were opened up along the coast of China, in which there were concession areas which were actually ruled by foreigners. So these were areas in which the Chinese were actually aliens in their own land. This is a Chinese uh, scholar that talks about the impact of um, uh, the 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 foreign invasion and occupation, and what he begins to do, which I think is very important. And the reason I'm playing this clip is he starts to talk about the impact of missionaries and the missionary work. Countries came to our country, taking over harbors and bay areas, and each carved out its own sphere of influence in China. At that time, China was facing the danger of being carved up. So the people of all China had a very strong sense of crisis. With the gateway to the Orient wrenched open, an invading army of Christian missionaries pushes in. They will do more in the name of God to unleash chaos than all of the soldiers, miners, and traders. Missionaries view China as the largest country in the world with an enormous population who were in their eyes heathen. They were dying without the benefit of salvation. What that meant, however, was that they went there convinced that they had a superior religion that these other people should accept. Foreign churches penetrated everywhere in China, including North China and other places. Foreign churches were everywhere. Those churches used their power to bully and oppress local people. People were resentful. In 1889, Charles Wesley Price and his wife, Eva Jane, from Des Moines, Iowa, settled in Shanxi province, committed to saving the souls of the heathen Chinese. China is the result of heathenism and is a fair specimen of what a country's development will be without the civilization that grows out of a Christian gospel. This is, um, this is a, um, in search of history of China's Boxer Rebellion um, program, uh, where they are trying to explain what is taking place during the Boxer Rebellion. They have a very 
uh, typical Chinese atheist view of what the missionaries did. Though some of what they are saying is kind of true, it's not the full truth. The missionaries actually bettered the lives of the people of China. Now, what they don't want to admit here is that the Chinese were suffering. They didn't have proper medicine. Um, the, it, it, what, what can often be painted as a picture is that missionaries are invading the cultural religions. They are changing the cultural religions and they're not doing so for the betterment of the people. That one religion is not better than the other. The Christian missionaries came in mass. To, they, they saw what was taking place with the, with the um, uh, trading companies, taking advantage of the Chinese, and the missionaries were actually trying to stop it. Well, the boxers played directly into the hands of the enemy, thinking that the missionaries were the people that were the enemy. I believe that the actions that they took have very much to do with them being possessed by evil spirits. They would participate in these ceremonies that allowed them to be possessed by the demons of China. They, the, the, the boxers would go into a trance and would take on the attributes of that God when, when they were in the trance, meaning that their faces. So if you've been to a Beijing opera, you can look at the faces of the people. They kind of look demonic. They are representing the, the, uh, the opening up of, uh, your soul so that you can be possessed by a spirit. If you ever look at the traditional kind of war gods, um, on the side of doors and, and gates leading into certain homes, they are these Chinese looking male figures, but their faces look evil. They are the, these warlike faces. This is what the boxers believed they looked like when they were possessed by demons and they were they 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 asked the gods to attach themselves to their bodies this is the reading of a chinese letter um about um being possessed by demons we asked the gods to attach themselves to our bodies when they had done so we became spirit boxers invulnerable to swords and spears. Our courage was enhanced, and in fighting, we were unafraid to die, and dared charge straight ahead. Shandong Boxer, 1900. So that is the writing of a Shandong Boxer in 1900, as he said. Uh, but they, they, they were possessed by spirits. And... If you don't understand that, you might have to find another explanation to why they had such hatred against Christians. And so that's why these scholars in writing the history of the Boxer Rebellion chose to focus on, quote unquote, the evils of Christian missionaries, because that was the only thing that they could think of that would lead to such hatred and brutal murder of Christians. Because the boxers, 
they went and they attacked Beijing. They were pushed away from Beijing as they attacked, as they attacked other areas outside of Beijing. Um, those areas, uh, heard about the boxers coming and they tried to escape and make their way to Beijing because in Beijing, they would be able to be protected or so they thought against the boxers by going to the military posts that were surrounding the designated dignitary areas. And, uh, to keep Christians from getting there, the boxers ended up destroying roads and railroads. And then they went around from house to house looking for Christian Chinese and missionaries, raping, killing, and pillaging. And the largest massive murder of Christian missionaries that I know of, of missionaries, Christian missionaries. 189 Protestant missionaries, including 53 children. And of course, there were many Roman Catholic priests and nuns that were also killed by boxers. And the Chinese soldiers in North China were, were, were a part of what the boxers were doing. They were not protecting the missionaries. They were killing the missionaries together with the boxers. An estimated 2,000 Protestant Chinese Christians were killed and 30,000 Chinese Christians killed altogether. The China Inland Mission, which was started by Hudson Taylor, lost more members than any other single organization with 58 adults and 20 children being killed. The New York Times wrote that this was the most exciting episode to ever be known in Western civilization. I don't know exactly what they were saying by exciting. I think what they said by exciting is that, you know, this was an intense situation. But it was the greatest loss of missionary lives. Uh, in, in, there, the, in Shanxi province alone, there were 15 members of what was called the Oberlin Band, which was a, a, a family, and they were all, one by one, brutally executed by these demon-possessed boxers. So when the rest of the world heard about this, of course, they assembled um, militaries. There were uh, eight uh, military units, I'm sorry, eight nations that provided military units into China. They saw this as a golden opportunity. Now they had a reason to get a foothold. So if, if you thought that killing the missionaries was actually going to ki- kick the foreigners out, you were sorely mistaken because the missionaries were there to help. They were the ones that were there to serve. They were the ones there to build schools and build uh, health clinics and hospitals and train doctors and teachers. They were the ones that were there to serve the people. They dressed like the Chinese. They, they, they served the Chinese. They learned the Chinese language and loved the Chinese people. And they gave their life and blood on Chinese soil. Many families like Jonathan Goforth, which I mentioned earlier, that recorded the revivals of Manchuria and Korea and Hunan province, he lost his several children in, in China and had to be buried in China. One by one, they were dying. And then he lost his wife in China. I mean, the, 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 the missionaries that came here, they were not looking for a, an ambitious, selfish gain. They were giving their lives the same as Jesus showed to us. And these eight nations now saw a cause that they could get behind that would allow them to take over as much area really as they wanted. So these eight nations came together. It's like Germany, Austria, um, 
the United States, uh, Russia, Japan, uh, uh, the UK, France, um, they were able to come and, and fight against the boxers in hopes that they would be able to take over large areas of land and dictate to the Chinese what they were to do. Well, many people contest that the Chinese did not want the, the foreigners there. That was not true. Not true. Many Chinese wanted the foreigners there. Because, like I said, the Chinese provided hospitals and schools and orphanages and free education and medicine and medical help. Uh, they, they also provided language training, not just, <clears throat> not English language training, but Chinese language training. This was before schools were available in many of the rural areas so the people couldn't speak the main language of the Han Chinese. <clears throat> so these missionaries were able to provide an education for poor orphans and minority groups that would have otherwise been left to a life of poverty. Now, this was not always the case. There were missionaries such as William Ament uh, who utilized the United States Army troops to confiscate goods and property from Chinese to compensate Christian families for what they lost. Um, critics included people like Mark Twain, who um, called, you know, basically what took place as the reverend bandits of the American board uh, when the Americans tried to steal from the Chinese. There were, there were many things that came out of the events of the Boxer Rebellion that I want to talk about in the next uh, three podcasts, the stories of the men and women that suffered in the Boxer Rebellion, lost their families, lost their children, and their response from around the world for one of the greatest mission mobilization units really in our history came from this event, and we'll talk about it next time. Thank you so much for joining us on this special podcast about um, spies drugs, and the Great Commission. Thank you so much. My name is Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I pray that God blesses you with the information that you find in this podcast.